Okay, so we've got we've got a lot of news to go over, and recently I've heard something unrelated to D&D, but it is more so about Magic the Gathering, Wizards of the Coast's other property that is like a major seller in the card gaming um, sphere. Now, Drew, you and I are familiar with Magic the Gathering, oh, right? Oh, yeah, We've played a lot of Magic the Gathering. Have you heard what's been happening in that space recently, the Magic the Gathering tea? I, I haven't, but now I'm concerned because I still really like the game. <laughs> so they've done um, Wizards over the time over the course of Magic the Gathering um, has done a lot of actually things I think are really cool with the game. Uh, they they do like the special runs of the different mm-hmm. the different card series. Like they had the Walking Dead one, so it's a lot of just branded stuff that like speaks to different spheres of people. And they're like, oh, it's a multiverse, so it can be whatever. Uh, I'm a big fan of the D and D cards. Um, our good friend Broccoli Eric Patrick made me a really cool deck of. Uh, or a really cool commander deck of um, all the D&D cards, which I love, and I think it's super cool, and I haven't gotten to play it yet no. at all. Well, yeah, no, I just haven't had the chance to play it. Yeah, who um, would you play it with? Yeah, exactly. Who who was ever bringing their commander deck over? Um, So there's been a lot of drama in the Magic the Gathering uh, community, and for the most justified reason possible. Um, recently, they had uh, their 30th anniversary, Oh, and so yep. Woo! yeah, happy birthday, keep on going. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's an accomplishment, but yeah, I would so, say so. I'm, 30 I'm, I'm thirty years of magic gathering, great job. And you know, if you had to design what you would do for your anniversary, like you'd probably go like back to your roots or something, right? You'd yeah. really, you may maybe you'd come out with some some new designs for old cards or maybe you do a rerun but it's all like it's like a 2022 version of like some old prints and stuff mm-hmm. and maybe they're a little more modernized yeah yeah well there's a reserve list um for the magic the gathering cards cards that they're like we will never print these again so that way they hold their value mm-hmm. um oh you know what i think i did hear about this and you're not supposed to like reprint those cards you're not supposed to touch them and Wizards announced for their 30th anniversary, we're going to be making a, we're going to be reprinting a lot of, of our old, like, first edition cards, uh, and, and especially some of those that are on the reserve list. But don't worry, we've got a solution. Instead of you being able to buy these cards at a decent price and buy, like, a pack of them, you know, you open it up, and it's a bunch of, like, the old cards, the stuff you're nostalgic about. Yeah. And, you know, now you can play these in tournaments, right? Um, we're just going to reprint those cards, sell them for a pack of four boosters for $1,000, and I'm not even kidding, $1,000. A thousand, a thousand $1,000. For four boosters? And... You cannot play them in tournaments. They are only reprints of these cards, so they're they're only a collector's item. Like they, uh, you have to purely only want this for the fact that it's a nostalgic card. Um, so they took something that like if you said, hey, these aren't going to be tournament legal cards. This is going to be a nostalgia thing. We're selling them for like I don't know five, you know, t- well a decent booster pack price, like ten bucks, right? Mm-hmm, ten mm-hmm. bucks a booster. Sure, whatever. These are two hundred and fifty dollars a booster. That's and you can ridiculous. only buy them in packs of four. That's the, uh, how many cards come in a fucking booster? I don't know, like ten probably. Eight to ten, probably. That's ridiculous. Guess. Yeah, yeah. So that's twenty five dollars a card, and if, you don't if, even know if, what you're gonna get. Yeah, and exactly. You do not have a guarantee. Like at the very least, if you're gonna overprice and like sell sell reserve cards, like 
at least sell them individually so you can get the right ones. Like, hey, I really want this old card. I don't know a whole lot about first edition Magic the Gathering. I'm not like an enthusiast or anything. I played for a couple of years. But uh, yeah, if you're going to sell reserve cards like that, sell them individually online like hey you can buy this nostalgic card that we reprinted for $25 cool if, if you're gonna sell them at 25 bucks a card like yeah you're not picking and choosing you might spend a thousand and dollar a thousand dollars and just get stuff that nobody cares about from the first edition it just I, to me it doesn't make any sense I like I love the idea of going back to your roots but if you're gonna break like the the vault if you will by tapping into your reserve list why not even make them playable? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like if I if I want to play a like a Soul Ring or like a Black Lotus, I'm just gonna go back and buy them. I, I mean they're like you know ten grand, but I, I'm not uh, gonna no, buy them for a thousand dollars. You know what you'll do is just print it out on a fucking piece of cardstock and and whip it out with your friends who also have Black Lotuses because that's what we're doing. Yeah, I guess it's true. It just seems cheesy. It almost seems like a cash grab. I, I guess it. I guess it probably is what it is a cash grab, but. Still to the same sense, it feels celebratory, but but not quite. Yeah, it's it's very alienating as well to, to people who don't have $1,000 to spend on these just nostalgic cards that you can't even use. I mean, I, I kind of get it. I get that it's very nostalgic and it's, you know, it's the off-limit cards, right? So I understand that it's going to be pricey, but a G? That's a lot. I, for something you can't even play, it doesn't make any sense I could get me. two PS5s for a G. You could try. <laughs> you could no, try no. to get PS5s. <laughs> and good news, today news dropped that uh PS5s are going to be much more readily available. You might even see them on shelves. Really? Starting now. Yeah, starting now production is ramping back like they they had their biggest month I think since the drop of PlayStation 5 this past month because production has been able to ramp up so much. That's insane. Good. Yeah, very good news. So uh your joke sucks. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for invalidating my joke i, I appreciate it Seth. but but all jokes aside i now that we're talking about mtg i really do want to play a couple games just a couple oh ever so i heard this uh this news drop from um i believe it was moist critical that i heard talk about this on his podcast uh the official podcast for anybody that's wondering and uh, it made me want to play. They talked about Commander and how Commander was a fan-made thing. And now it's like the main casual <gasps> uh, like game game mode that people play. Was it really like, a fan-made thing? I had yeah, no idea. Yeah, it was idea. a fan-made mode that was like, hey, this is for casual. Like, we're not we're not doing like tournaments and stuff. This is just a casual thing that fans made. Uh, oh. And now Magic the Gathering like sells OP Commander decks because like it was a thing that wasn't even official before. And then they started selling Commander like uh, decks that come out like every month new ones come out and some of them are just like ooh, these are quirky and then they drop like two that are broken to all hell so it's like oh well now you're not playing those two so again their their practices lately wizards with um magic the gathering has been really shitty um i hate to say it like i i love wizards because of what they've done for me with dungeons and dragons but i can't overlook your practices because i've seen what you're doing with magic the gathering and possibly with Dungeons and Dragons now too based on what we heard about the the OGL this past week. Have you guys heard about that? Yes, and I believe we talked about it last week so we won't belabor the point, but we're mad because open game license is uh is going away officially, I believe, right? They've they've come out and said it. Uh it was only rumored before, but now uh but now no longer are uh you allowed to create anything you want using uh Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, or uh, more so, One D and D, whatever that ends up being called uh, when it's released, uh, you won't be able to use that rule set as the basis for your uh, third-party tabletop RPG products. Uh, you have to go somewhere else. 
or make your own because we're not. Or we're you not have to get really creative with your wording. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I I cannot stand that as like a business practice. Like mm-hmm. we're tabletop gaming has always been a ni- a very niche thing, and I want it to be a more widely available thing, right? So why are we making it harder to make things for it? Like it. We want it to be a big thing. Like you, you've got we've got the mainstream, you know, chomping at the bit, wondering what Matthew Mercer's gonna say next on that fucking camera. <laughs> like, <laughs> so <laughs> come on, Matthew Mercer. Now, now, Critical Role officially, like, instead of having their Tadori Reborn, which is their own original book, uh, they have to they have to go through Wizards of the Coast again if they want to make something, which mm. sucks. Like. Um, officially partnered things are great and all. Like I, I'm as much of a fan of that as the next person. But like third party stuff, I think some of their stuff, especially the writing for a lot of the third party modules, is far better than what we've gotten out of um, Wizards of the Coast. And uh, not only that, but you should just be allowed to make what you want. Like I, I get it. It's it's your property. You made the game rules or whatever. And obviously, you can't officially um. You can't trademark game rule, like game mechanics and stuff. Like that's why you know Fortnite succeeded so much with PUBG, you know, and, and everything like that. Right. Like you can't you can't take the game mechanics away. So they those are going to be there no matter what. It's just like stop being so stingy because now we have to find new creative ways to use this uh, outside of outside of your um, wheelhouse. Yeah, it, it it just seems like a a lot of hassle for all right. We won't call it Dungeons and Dragons anymore. We'll we'll change it enough to make it you know uh, intellectually unique. Uh, and then we'll call it not Pathfinder, but something else. Yeah, you we'll know? call it Dimples and Doodops, and, <laughs> and, and it's our game. It's just—it's actually just chess boxing, though. But it's, oh it's D and D related, which would be sick, by the way. So yeah, um, that was those have been the big news drops with Wizards recently, and um, I gotta say I'm not too happy about it. I'm actually quite angry about it. <laughs> I'm excited to see where it goes. Maybe something good comes out what of it. What do you mean? But- I don't know. Maybe something good will happen. I don't know. I just, pure and simple, I just want people to be able to make content and use it. I will contribute to the D&D community. I will tell people to play this game. I will tell my friends about how cool it is. Just let me make some stuff, man. Come on. Just do yeah, it. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I, do, I don't want to transfer to another game system. I like I like 5th edition as is. I like I like the way that we play the game, and I'm going to probably use one D&D mechanics in the future. It's just like... Yeah, I'd like to be able to buy a Cobalt Press book if I want it, or I'd like to be able to buy, um, and yeah, any any of the other like third party supplements if if I want to. And it it should be easy enough for me to open the book, and it corresponds to what the official stuff is, right? Like I should be able yeah, to open it yeah. up and and look and be like, okay, initiative, like roll initiative, got it. Initiative means this because this is what it means in five e. Roll your fight dice, guys. <laughs> <laughs> You guys think uh, this might be uh, because that that's an interesting point. I mean, we we know that we like playing fifth edition, um, and Pathfinder came about when yeah uh, you know people really like playing third edition and they didn't like the changes to Dungeons and Dragons back then. Uh, do we think that maybe there's? Uh, I mean, as far as I know, Pathfinder second edition is a lot more like five e. But do we think there's the potential for a new player on the like scene? a new Paizo? Yeah, yeah, you know, something that comes out. I don't think so. I think, I mean, I wouldn't want to switch to something just because it's like 5e. You know, I think whatever we do, it'll probably still be in the whatever, you know, 1D&D is and everything next. Because I feel like we're not really those guys that are like, so 
I, I'm okay with changing rule sets and stuff. Like, I'm, I'm totally cool with that because I just like what Dungeons & Dragons has to offer. Um, there's a lot of, like, legacy behind it. There's a whole lot of characters and stuff that um, you, you just won't necessarily get if you go switching over to something like like what they did with 3.5. So I'm, I'm a big fan of, of what Wizards of the Coast has to offer when it comes to, like, their legacy. Um, and yeah, I think nostalgia in the future will be a big portion of why I stick around. Like, like, why do I buy a new Pokemon game even though they suck? Um, <laughs> because the, cause you, the Char- Charmander is not in Temtem. That's why. Um, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I, when it comes to, to the future, yeah, maybe we'll see someone come out and try to do it. I don't know if we'll have anyone succeed unless they are just a highly esteemed influencer. Now, like, say say someone like critical role came out and said we are making our own system yeah that might that might do it um but if in the case of like D and is not going away one D, especially it evolving is still going to hold a lot of the systems that 5e already has and probably based on what we've been seeing even better systems that are more fun so given that i think they are making good evolutions actual gameplay wise then no, I think I think it'll still be the popular one. Yeah, I mean it. It, it just depends uh, because for for our group and who we are, I don't think that. Yeah, I mean you're right. I think we're we're uh, corporate shills and we'll do anything to play Dungeons and Dragons with a capital D. But um, two or, of them. Yeah, maybe even two of them. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, if this is your fight, uh, fight to fight. I almost said fart. I don't know why. Anyway, if this is your fight to fight out there and uh, and this uh, has struck a nerve with you, uh, know that we we support you and uh, you know hope you hope you do good things. I know we could we could swap models, we could swap games, but would we? Based off principle, I I don't know if I could. I feel like I'm I'm so it, particular to D and D after so many years. I don't know if I could leave them. Honestly, it it they would have to do something really bad, like. If all of a sudden they they were like shutting down third party creators and stuff like that, oh, attacking! I, them. If okay. they were attacking third party creators and yeah, we started hearing definitely. about that, I think I'd be like, no, nah, I'm following whatever the third party creators are doing. I'd be I'd be fully on board, like pulling back away from their system because I'd be like, no, I'm not supporting you until you fix it. No, um, I, I agree. It's just it's a weird thing to hear because I play games, <laughs> Cough Dead by Daylight, where the the developers of this game, they don't listen to their community, right? They kind of do whatever they want. But I feel like I've had such a good experience with D&D. I feel like they listen. I feel like they put out content that we want. And especially with the new uh, one D&D content upcoming, with all the feedback, they're really listening and they're really changing things over and over again to to really please the audience, the players. So it's it's weird to hear of this decision because I'm really not in support of it, but I am very in support of them as a company. So I'm excited to see where it goes. I am as well right now. Yeah. Um, now, yeah... I believe Wizards is owned by Hasbro, is it not? Yeah. Meaning that them as a corporation, like Hasbro, is literally, they make things just to make money. Like, I am not yeah. in support of Hasbro. Um, <laughs> I do like Wizards of the Coast because they make my favorite game. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I am not in support of Hasbro only because Hasbro, like, they, they print, like, the same toys over and over, like, different different things with, like, slightly mm. different versions because toy collectors will go out there and be like, oh, my God, I gotta have this new one because the shoes are blue, um, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> Gotta get those blue shoes. Well, the, the, I mean, there are a lot of people like that. Like, for instance, I've seen on Instagram just, like, people who collect, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff. There are a lot more people that collect, like, old TMNT toys and stuff than you think. Um, mm. Oh, for sure. And, and, and you know, uh, for the record, 
Uh, I've never met anyone who would collect toys and display them on a shelf. No, hint, no, hint, no. Wink, wink. Definitely looking not. at the uh, at all of the D and D minis that we've that that, that money's going hey. directly into Hasbro's hey. pockets. Oh. You ever hey, think about if, that? Well. Is WizKids owned by? Yeah. Okay. Well, then uh, <laughs> I will. If if they turn if Wizards of the Coast turns out to do some shitty stuff, I'll sell them. I'll get new ones. <gasps> I'll get new ones on the third party market, where Hasbro won't make any additional money and from your I purchase. I will profit greatly. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can I can have one of those stands at like the convention where you're selling all your stuff. Sure. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna have this table and I'm gonna sell each of these for like ten bucks. I just love the idea of like this undercover black market D and D world where it's like, hey, I got a, I got an ogre for you, fifty bucks. It's like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> it's just the idea that they're so expensive little minis. It's super funny. Yeah, no, I I love my minis. I do have a lot of third party minis though. Gonna be like you, you can see over there. I've got the Epic Encounters minis. I have a lot of third party minis available over there too. So. Just saying. Well, yeah, it's a whole ass hobby too. Like, you don't have to buy the officially licensed stuff to uh, to have fun with D and D or you know whatever your war game of choice is. And so. I won't be for the end of our campaign. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play a big war game. I still want to try Warhammer really bad. I uh, know you don't. You do not want to buy, paint, and collect an entire army to play one round of Warhammer. No, but if like someone else could do all the collecting and painting for me, and then I just played it one time with all their stuff, that sounds really fun. Just play Fire Emblem. No, you, you know that's how <laughs> I feel about Magic: The Gathering. Uh, <gasps> speaking of Fire Emblem, though, yeah, you know, just before we get into this episode, I don't know how long we've been talking, but I'm just I'm feeling the mood. Uh, have you boys heard about the new Fire Emblem game, Engage. Fire Emblem Engage? Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, so, just at my first look at this, I'll uh, I'll divulge to the audience that I'm probably uh, the uh, the most ashamed, uh, biggest Fire Emblem fan there is. Uh, just because yeah, I I played the shit out of these games growing up, and you know they were always so cool. And ever since uh, Fire, here's my soapbox. Ever since Fire Emblem Fates came out. I just haven't loved the direction the franchise is headed. But every time there's a new one, I still find it in me to shell out how much, uh, however much it is. Um, but anyway, so Engage, they they show the first trailers for this thing, and it's. Have you seen the protagonist for Engage? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I have his blue and red hair. It looks so bad, and you know, when uh, I had the same thought about Three Houses when uh, when that game was coming out, Byleth, I just didn't like the the weird hanging sleeves thing. Oh, um, I love Byleth. Yeah, but but now the new guy makes Byleth look tame, and it's like, oh, that's a pretty good design. I <laughs> so. Uh, so, okay, so I always liked Byleth's design, but um, I I've I've watched Engage. I've seen all the trailers because I watch every Nintendo Direct. Um, and based on just the look of the game, I'm like, this looks like a toned down Three Houses. Yeah, like, yeah, and exactly. it's also only playing on fan service because the whole idea is like we're calling back these heroes from the past, Marth. Byleth! Um, that, those are the names I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's the problem, though. Like, uh, when when we're making new Fire Emblem games and we're saying, all right, what's the new mechanic going to be? What if we summon the heroes from the old games? Like, uh, we've been doing that for, <laughs> for however long now. I, I just don't know. I don't know if it's going to sell. All that said, though. Um, I will not be buying this one, but I loved Three Houses. Yeah, this game is coming out on January 20th. Um, and it does, you know, the Three Houses was so good, and, and it does look pretty good, and, you know, uh, they've been advertising the, the shit out of it to me on, on Twitch and YouTube, and so, I don't know if I'm gonna, 
I don't know if I'm even gonna play it, but you know, I might just have it in me as that, a uh, as a uh, you know a fire emblem shell. Yeah, they got Lin I, in this one, so maybe I'll... I will not look down on you for it. Um, as I love the game mechanics and fire emblem, I'm a, I'm a big strategy game kind of guy. Like, um, just this past week, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of um, Demio. It's a um, I believe it's that's how you pronounce it, but it's a VR game that's much like D and D, where and you can play it co op with other people. So my cousin and I, he he got a quest for Christmas. He's like thirteen, and so I put on my quest. I bought him Demio, uh, and the two of us played. And it's just it's like they give you a bare bones story for why you're going into this dungeon, and then they tell you what to do. And so you go into it, and it's basically all the dungeon crawling combat mechanics from D and D, and you're standing over a table in VR, moving miniatures around, <gasps> and pieces are coming at you, and you're playing. You're playing the heroes now. To balance it out for two people, you have the option to play two pieces and two pe- like two characters and two characters, so that way you have a balanced four person party when oh. you're, there's only two of you. Um, and in very much that same fashion, it's just like Fire Emblem, where it's like you're moving spaces on the board. And um, in order to get them close enough to do an attack or whatever. And I had a blast playing this game. Like, I love games like that. I played Fire Emblem Sacred Stones when I was younger. And I played um, Three Houses. Those have been the two that I spent, like, the most time in. Uh, And, yeah, I I really love Fire Emblem. I think they're awesome games. And I love the story of Three Houses. I feel like it's some of the best storytelling we've had in Fire Emblem. Just because, well, the first half. I I think the first half was much stronger than the second half. Because the second half kind of went off the rails. Where I was like... What the heck is happening? <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I'll be honest, I still haven't finished it. Well, the first half is great. Yeah, uh, first se- half I was having a lot of fun. Second, so I did the Blue Lions path, the boring one, because I heard everybody call it the boring one, and I was like, I'm going to support this man, the oh. the blonde guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I supported him. I went Blue Lions, and uh, his story was pretty dull. I got to say, lame. <laughs> I uh, I'm excited to hear about Fire Emblem because I still have not played. This game, still the only one at this table to play it. And I know you guys mentioned it's more difficult to get some of the older games, so maybe I'll just jump in on this one. Maybe this will be my, my first Fire Emblem. Do I have to play them in order, you think? No, but no. I, I feel like you'd have a terrible time. Um, yeah, so, like, the, the whole central it's game It's a mechanic, JRPG, man. Well, mm. it's a strategy JRPG, so it, it is similar in a lot of ways to D&D. Um, so you'd probably... You could jump into it, but... I don't know what the story is going to be, but like it, it's all centering around these rings that summon like heroes from the previous games. And it just seems like a lot of weird fan service to, to uh, things that aren't super nostalgic, even like what three houses came out in 2019. Yeah, that game wow. came out three years ago why, or yeah, close to four. But anyway, why are we calling back to that one? Already, <laughs> no it's one's the one, it's the one it. that like the most people know about right now, only because. It's uh, it's the one that was on the Switch, and the Switch is like a crazy selling console. Um, like the ones on the 3DS were good. Oh uh, well, kind of. Well, Awakening was good, right? Yeah, Awakening was great, and and you know what, Fates. Uh, the the gameplay of Fates was great, but boy, my my issue with Fire Emblem right now is just the the story and like. I don't know. There's too many boobs in it, you know? There weren't so many boobs in Fire Emblem. There weren't that. I didn't feel like there were that many in Three Houses, based on the other games that I play. No, that's fair. Three three Houses was a a step in the right direction, as far as I'm concerned. Um, And so, yeah, based on the games that I play, like Persona, where there are a lot of boobs in Persona, where it's like, oh, yeah, this character is sexualized, but damn, that move they did was so cool. Um, 
So yeah, I I like Fire Emblem, but I don't. I will not be picking this one up. I watched the trailer the first time that I saw the trailer, and I was like, nope, that one is not for me. I I need the trailer story to pick me up instantly, or I am not playing. Because as we've discussed many times, I'm all about the narrative. I saw the trailer for Fire Emblem Engage, and I was like, gameplay looks cool. I don't care about that. Yeah, no, I, I was right there with you. I, I saw the first trailer and said, ugh, you, you can't do this to me again, Fire Emblem. And, and, you know, I was promised a remake of Fire Emblem 6, or uh, the, the one of the ones that came out in Japan, and you know what? I think they canceled it. I'm pretty sure they did. It was supposed Probably. to be on the Switch. Um, and instead we get Fire Emblem Engage, so... Well, uh, you guys kind of talked me out of it, but then Zach said there was too many boobs in it, so I might have to buy it now and just <laughs> give it Drew, a try. based on my experience with you, you'll play five, four or five hours of Fire Emblem and go, I'm going to go back to Pokemon. Yeah, these games do take like, you know, 50 plus hours to get through. Oh. So. Mm. And he's only put like four or five years into D- DBD at this point, so. Not quite. I'm going on three. It's not a big deal. I, I was thinking about this in the car earlier today. I was like, I need to ask Drew on the podcast how he commits so hard to one game, especially, like you said, whenever a lot of times the developers don't even like listen to the community. It's just too fun of a game. The The idea that I'm constantly battling other people's minds to outsmart them in a chase is super fun. And as a matter of fact, I'm talking about how much they don't listen, but I do have a dog tag now <laughs> with the DVD logo on it. That's kind of cool. <laughs> Malik got it for me for Christmas. It was pretty legit. So, yeah, no big deal. I'm like a DVD army now. So, basically in the service. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, that's, that's interesting and all, but like, I... I guess we did. Yeah, we've we discussed it in the past. We just play games differently. It's too, it's too fun, man. <laughs> Can't put it down. Uh, I I have not been picking up a whole lot of games recently. Normally, I'm able to start off the podcast with, hey, I gamed in, in this way this week. I did this gaming-wise this week. I played a little bit of Demio. Uh, I jumped a little bit back into Wildermyth. Um, I've been I've been kind of on like a D&D light game grind. I jumped back into Wildermyth, got through to the fourth arc in a five-arc campaign, and lost my characters. <gasps> no. Uh, no. It took me probably seven eight hours to get there and i was i um they have these things called incursions and at this point i had six party members because throughout it you're like collecting some new people you get to customize them like uh add their abilities as they level up um and i had a couple of characters that were like hey these characters are retiring so what i did is i really wanted to role play it so i split them up i had two characters that were retiring at the end of the arc so i was like you're in charge of this party of three and you're in charge of this party of three (gasps) and you're going this way oh that's um i i named my uh my group three's a crowd um and so <laughs> i was basing everything around parties of three um and so because like the whole intro thing was like two of the adventurers from the legacy were like going into a cave and like rescuing this guy and there were two of them and they're like wow we can't come up with a name what do we come up with like what's the name of our group we're thinking about starting an adventuring company and so i called it three's a crowd because the third guy was like what have i joined <laughs> um, um so uh, Three's a Crowd is like going all over the realm. And if you guys haven't seen Wildermyth, it's this indie game that is very much like D&D. It tells you a story. It's procedurally generated. Uh, and you go through D&D-like battles. You have D&D-like abilities. Um, it's very much like if the computer was your dungeon master uh, and it was very bare bones, like a bare bones module, what would it look like? So it And it's really fun. So I was going through and... I get to the fourth arc. Now, I've gone through three full story arcs because then what they do is they do like a short story arc uh, that takes like usually an hour and a half, two hours to get through. 
Um, so a short story arc, and if you're like me, you do every mission in the story arc and then go to the to the place you're supposed to be going. So you go around the whole like realm, go, uh, head to the place you're supposed to be going, and then um, you you fight like a big boss. And I was pretty much just demolishing at this point. Like I was leveling up perfectly. I was fighting perfectly. I'm just on like the normal difficulty, and I was like, man, this is too easy. I'm gonna have to ramp it up like next time I play. Um, and then so and then ten years pass, like ten or eleven years of peace. So, and then it tells you what your characters do in the meantime, you all come back as another thing starts happening and the story continues and flows. And it's like a 50 year story arc that your characters are going through as a, as an adventuring party. And like some of them die of old age, some of them retire, you know, you, you get used to it, you know, their their kids come into play, et cetera, et cetera. So I was playing some Wildermyth and I get to the fourth story arc and these things called incursions happen, which are when like certain subsects of enemies, because usually the campaigns focus around one type of enemies. So like a Storm King's Thunder focusing on giants. Well, during every now and then an incursion might happen where like, oh no, like uh, gnolls are raiding one certain area of the map. So you need to go stop that. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll send these three from Three's Crowd over there. And these three are going to go work on scouting this area out so we can all come back together and do some missions together. Because you got to be very tactical about it, which is fun. And I've never had trouble with an incursion. So I was like, ah, oh, it'll be easy. So I send those people over there. I get there and the incursion's like, you're actually only allowed to have two adventurers for <gasps> this mission. And I was like, well, okay, I'll pick the greenies. Um, (laughs) and so I was like, well, it's up to you two ladies. Cause it was two girls from the mission. And I was like, all right, ladies, show us what you got. So I throw them in, I'm doing the D and D like combat. And you're also commanding the townspeople that have decided to (gasps) to do arm, like take up arms as well. Oh, that's sick. But I start clearing enemies out and I'm doing really well the first few turns. And then all of a sudden there's more and more and more. And I'm starting to get overwhelmed. And it's the, my mission is take out all the enemies so I have to do oh, it, no. but I only have two of my heroes out of the six. And I'm like, this is going to be too hard for me. And I've failed a mission once or twice before. So I was like, okay, worst that happens is my character dies. So like characters can die um, or a character can get maimed where like literally they lose a limb or something like that. So like I've had characters lose limbs and get them replaced with like hooks and stuff. I've had characters get cursed. One of my characters, my favorite character from this campaign um, I made a story choice that because I thought it was an interesting story choice, and he turned into a freaking like Kenku, <gasps> like his head turned into like a raven, basically or whatever. And then slowly, as the stories go, and his, once his head turned into a raven, I was like, "Well, we're committing. He's a bird man." Um, <laughs> and so, man, he was my favorite character from my party. Um, and so, so he he doesn't look like he did anymore. He's a bird. And so then, slowly as time goes on, as you finish story arcs and stuff, it's like, hey. Would you like to progress the transformation? You get to choose whether the transformation continues to take them over or not. And, really? I'm, and every time I'm like, we already committed. Yes. 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 And it's, sometimes it'll be a detriment to some stats. You get extra abilities and stuff. Like he was like a wizard sorcerer type character. And I swapped and I made it so like now he has melee abilities because he can peck people and curse them too. <gasps> um, oh, that's sick. He's actually. like a lycanthrope. Um, so... Yeah, as as the entirety of this campaign has been going on, two of my ladies go in and, and uh, both of them got maimed, so they both lost limbs and had to go oh, okay. retreat. The incursion continues. So I'm like, okay, we know we got to go hardcore. I'm sending my favorite, my current favorite adventurer and the bird guy. So my two favorite adventurers, I was like, you two can handle this. Go stop that incursion. And both of them got maimed. Nice. Uh, at this point, I had two adventurers left that hadn't lost limbs in this fight. And so I was like, 
I'm too stressed to do this. Control alt delete. Uh, or or uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, not control alt delete. I was like all F4. And then uh, I have not gone back into the game because I know oh. that I'm going to lose my last two as well and I'm going to have to restart. No. So they <laughs> all get maimed. You have to completely restart? No. If they if they all die, I have to restart or like and stuff. But uh, if they all get maimed, they're all like they all lose stats and stuff like minus 30% accuracy or like minus 30% strength and stuff. Oh. Like they get they get maimed. They lose a limb. That was my next question. Is I was thinking it was probably flavor wise. It's like, oh, you failed this mission, so you have one more chance not to die. But they're actually, you know, nerfing your abilities. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. When that happens, like they nerf your abilities. You get to choose too. Like you can you can let them die and like do a certain amount of damage to all the enemies in the area. Like they go out with a bang, oh. or like you can uh, give a certain amount of buffs to all of your allies because they went out with a bang or whatever. That's cool. Uh, or you don't let them go out with a bang and you can let them get maimed. Uh, so the, the real thing that stopped me from winning this fight is that I only got to have two of my adventurers and all the townsfolk are too weak to, to fight. So they just kept dying. Would you allow us to do that in D&D? So if a, a high-level caster were to, to perish in a battle, would you allow us to cast like one final powerful buff on our allies? No. That would be pretty sick. That would be really sick. <laughs> no, though. you should have done that before you died, idiot. What if it was? Oh, what if you were like a really high power, like an arch sorcerer, right? Because the magic comes from within. So if you die, there's like this. If they pulse have a kamikaze, of, uh, wild magic, really? Yeah. Oh, that'd be or so a sick. wild magic type deal, yeah. Maybe a boss. That. A boss? Okay. Yeah, but okay. we've had bosses kamikaze before. You know, I, I've seen a uh, a cool house rule where like if you drop to zero, you can choose to uh, like to die outright, but. Uh, when you do that, you get an extra turn instantly, and all of your attacks are crits. Oh my god, I've never heard of that before. We're, we're, who came up with that? Do you know? That's, I don't know. It's I, I like that one, but I would also say that your resolve as your character is death at that point. So, like, if a revivifier or something tries to go off, it'd be final. Yeah. No, I would agree. <gasps> That's crazy. You have to refuse your your soul coming back just so you can get this one. Yeah, last like your character resolve is final. Damage. They wanted to get this. They wanted this to happen. Like you know, maybe they got the killing blow on the boss. Like the the BB. Uh, BBEG, but like, that's it. Oh, see, but I really like the idea that's not even about combat, right? You go down in this fight, whether you're a wizard or some sort of cleric caster, so you go down, but you use your last turn just to send a message to like your loved ones or something one last time. That's pretty sick and dramatic. That's right really there. cool. I like that. That'd be pretty sick. Um, so, Wildermyth, very cool D&D-like game. Check it out on Steam if you got it. Um, but we should probably go ahead and talk a little bit about our topic today, which is very much like what we're doing right now, where we're going to go into a story time about a recent Christmas one-off that uh, our boy Drew ran for <laughs> us. So, we probably won't be able to go into the entirety of the story and everything, but we'll give you the spark notes on it, kind of talk about the characters that are present and what our mission was. Um, and... First of all, welcome to Table Talk Friday. My name is Seth Pittman. Uh, I'm joined by my two lovely friends, Andrew Romano and Zachary Carbon. How are you boys doing? You know, Seth, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm pretty sleepy, but I have a cool Dead by Daylight uh, dog tag, and I'm excited to talk about this incredible one-off. Pass it to Zach. Well, you know, I'm doing great as well, and I'm just super excited to be talking about Christmas uh, two weeks after Christmas. So. <laughs> and you know, when when you all hear this, it'll uh, it'll be a, even a little bit later, I think. So uh, enjoy your your mid January Christmas or whenever you're listening. And uh, and yeah, I guess we'll we'll get right into it. So uh, yeah, um, first of all, I'd like to go ahead and thank produ- our producer Eric, um, good old gamer, on the other side of the microphone, on the other side of the, of wherever you listen to this, good old gamer. We haven't actually asked you that yet. Um, so if, if you'd like to join uh, Good Old Gamer as being a producer, you can find us on patreon.com slash 
Table Talk Friday. But this week, we're going to talk about our Christmas one-off last week. So, Drew, would you like to go ahead and give us the premise? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So, so last year, very, very quick recap, is the players were all evil and destroyed Christmas. That's, that's what you need to know. Uh, Santa was slain. The North Pole literally fell to the ground. Debris everywhere. Uh, and the lights all begin to, to twinkle out. And that is exactly where we picked up this year as the good guys this time, but to save Christmas from the monsters that ruined it last year, which were my players at the table. So that was pretty sick. So being able to jump back and do, I've never actually been able to jump back into a story that I started telling like that. So that was pretty neat. I uh, felt very uh, almost campaign-ish or I guess a long-term life campaign of mine as I run the next 15 Christmas one-offs in my life. <laughs> uh, hopefully they'll all connect. But uh, the premise is that the players started here, and as they start in this rubble-filled North Pole location, uh, they get to meet with the Leaping Lords, which are clearly the, the council of the, of the North Pole. They run Christmas, they run the, the toy factories, they, they keep track of where all the elves are at and the naughty list, everything. They are, they are the head council here. So they meet with this council of the Leaping Lords, and as they do, they kind of divulge information of what's happening at Christmas at the North Pole at this time as all the lights are going out, the snow in the North Pole is actually melting and Christmas is literally leaving the the spirit of this area. So it's becoming less and less festive. So the players need to go do something about this. They can't go steal back the Jingle Bells because there's no time. There's hours, hours before day breaks, Christmas Day hits and no toys have been delivered because Santa's gone at this point. So after speaking with the Leaping Lords, they quickly find out they have to find a secondary power source to the Jingle Bells, which we'll get into in just a minute. But after meeting the Leaping Lords, which were all uh, interesting members of, of Christmas history, you had uh, Kevin McAllister, um, you had uh, Walter Hobbs, <laughs> Buddy the Elf's father there. Um, <laughs> I didn't catch that <laughs> you, uh, first time. I had every... every member of the Leaping Lords written down and their uh, what they were the head of or the chief of. Uh, John F. Kennedy was also on the council. Why uh, was he there? Because obviously it was... Were you uh, prepared to role play John F. Kennedy? No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. I wasn't sure how much time we have because normally my one-offs run a little late. So I was like, well, I have 11 different people they can meet right now. I don't have accents or anything ready for them, but I have titles. And so we'll just pick something off the fly. I feel like you would have been better off with uh, Teddy Roosevelt, but it's, he, he is a teddy bear, and he looks like Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, I love that. <laughs> See, but I love the idea that it was an inside job uh, done by the North Pole, and they needed him for insider information. So he's the, he was the president of, like, oh, God, what was it? The president of the Pole or something like that, and he gave insider information on different countries around the world because he was so beloved by the people. Yeah, ask, some, not, some crazy that. ask not what Santa Claus can gift to you, but what you can gift to Santa Claus through your service. <laughs> one small leap for the holidays, one sure. giant jump from for the North Pole, or something like that. Was Neil Armstrong also there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just like the, the moon so, race, you know. So you did skip over a massive, massive, like probably the coolest thing I think you did all session. Oh. You started off with breaking the fourth wall. <sighs> okay. As so. as you jump in, uh telling as as the Christmas narrator all of a sudden, Drew starts addressing us as the players one by one as the narrator is like, oh, you guys are the ones that messed Christmas up last year. <laughs> yeah, and you know, to make it all theatrical, we don't usually do this, but Drew put on uh, a fake beard and he had like a special costume for, uh, for several of the characters, specifically the narrator, and then also uh, another one of the, uh, the Leaping, Leaping Lords. Lords. Yukon uh, Cornelius. Yeah, Yukon Cornelius from... 
from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Don't no shame if you forgot about that guy, but he was he's also a I did not forget about character. him. No, well because last year I was uh I was sort of adjacent to Yukon Cornelius. I was Jack Lumber. Oh, the, that is true. Yeah, yeah. See, I don't know how people would forget about Yukon Cornelius because I feel like Silver and Gold's a straight bop from Christmas history. So I don't know how you forget about that. But I really did enjoying the uh, breaking the fourth wall. That was for a couple months now. I had anticipated doing it, and I was very excited to talk directly to the players versus the the characters themselves. And so starting out as this this narrator who had introduced himself a little bit last year. I had done a little bit of the narrator as actually telling and, and, and narrating the story itself, but I want him to be a real character this year. I wanted the players to experience something very different at the table, which was playing themselves for a solid minute as they talked to me and were like, no, which, fuck Christmas. Funny enough, I was not prepared to do. Uh, <laughs> but I liked that everybody picked up the trope of like, because you told us what we did wrong last year, which I liked. You remembered a lot of the story that I didn't remember. So you were like, yeah, and this happened and this happened and you did this. And all of us came up like, after the first person did it, we all said, and I do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and it was literally like, uh, like a whole thing like, aha. We're bad boys, and I was in the I was in the villain mindset after that moment where I was like, ah, I did the bad things, and then I walk in as Slushy, the Christmas <laughs> toy, the toy Christmas Sentinel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the 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 opening scene uh, in the the Council of Leaping Lords, they've summoned their uh, their adventurers to go and rescue Christmas. So uh, of course we we all get a a little dramatic entry moment uh, where. <laughs> We have someone walk in the room, and I'm pretty sure it's that's entirely because Seth said he wanted Back in Black to be playing. As and it he, was a joke at first, but then when he said I could do it, I was like, yeah, I'd like Back in Black to be playing whenever my uh, my character gets introduced. And so then Drew actually did it. He got Back in Black ready, and I had um, ski, uh, ski goggles and uh, a gourd that looked very much like a large club uh, as I walked in, because one of my weapons was a mall. Um, so as I come, great. Yeah, as I come walking in the room uh, in full costume as uh, Slushy the Christmas Sentinel uh, and sit down in my chair. And so then afterwards, you know, um, other characters had had their introductions, which were. Well, yeah. And, and just uh, before we get off of Slushy, I, I just want everyone to know that you were a, uh, a Christmas toy, uh, you know, brought to life by by Christmas cheer and Santa Claus and whatever. And you were the, the sentinel of the North Pole, right? So yeah. You, so like whenever emergencies happen, slushy is activated. Um, the sentinel of the North Pole. The sentinel of the North Pole. And so emergency had happened. Santa had recently been killed. So slushy is activated. Like bring slushy out. We need someone to help save Christmas. Um, and slushy had never left the North Pole at this point. And this was the first time he was being asked to. Normally it's just like, Minor attacks, maybe a white dragon makes their way to the North Pole or something like that. And Slushy classic, needs, classic. Yeah, Slushy needs to help out with defending that. Or, you know, you know, the the many, many abominable snowman attacks in the past. Um Yeah, so he, a- anytime anyone else wants to steal Christmas, which, you know, is apparently fairly frequent. Um Oh yeah, I'm all sure the time. Slushy would be there as well. Yeah, so um yeah, Slushy is introduced, who uh I modeled him very much after Jack Frost from the Persona games, just because he looks like a toy. Um, and I wanted to be a toy snowman. And so I used the autonome stat block. I was a paladin, um, seven levels, paladin, five levels, warlock, hexblade, warlock, and, um, oath of the hearth from the kobold press tome of heroes book. Um, which is very cool by the way. Yeah, it is very cool. I did not get to use my cold evasion ability at all, which I'm so sad about where it's like, uh, if anybody's within my 10 foot range, we have evasion on like, 
uh, attacks from from cold based uh, stuff. So mm. didn't get to use that, but uh, I did get to do some really cool stuff. He was literally a crit based character. I crit on a nineteen and a twenty, um, and I had. So I think I had a base of like over 70 or 80 damage, but then adding in the dice rolls if I did all my Divine Smites on a crit. Um, oh, it was which legit. I can only do that like three or four times at max in a row. So uh, it, when it, they wouldn't even all be at max because some of them would be using first level spell slots. So um, two times for max damage in a row. And it ended up working out really well, but which we'll get to later. So other than Slushy, we had four other characters at the table. Yeah, so uh, Slushy walked in the room, and then my character walked in, who was, uh, you know you know those Coke commercials with the, the polar bear? I was a polar bear <laughs> from the Coke commercial. Named Coca. <laughs> yeah, Coca. Uh, last name, Cola Bear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, I was actually a, I was a shifter, so I, I was a human man who, for the Coke commercials, turns into a polar bear. <laughs> and so I, uh, I had that, that whole spiel going on. Just, I loved Coca. Yeah, just a very laid-back guy. Uh, so I was uh, mostly, I was 11 levels barbarian and one level monk uh, just to like really sell when I transform into a polar bear, which I also had a special magic item that let me, uh, when I shift, I become a full polar bear. None of this half-shifting stuff. So, uh, so it was very fun to just say, yep, and now I'm a polar bear, and I'm going to hit him with my polar bear claws. But I also know kung fu, because I did train with, uh, with the kung fu panda. So, <laughs> so an important thing to note about the... I mean, if you see the commercials, they just seem so athletic and, like, you know, so, so dexterous. They're not falling through the ice, but they're, like, skating around and stuff, so... Uh, I thought it was fitting. So, in, in any case, that was my uh, that was my character. And then we had, uh, in addition, uh, Elf McElferson, of course, Elf McElferson, who was just the elfiest elf, and uh, he was <laughs> a as much elf as you could be. Yeah, uh, and his specialty was uh, cookie making. So he uh, he was an artificer. Uh, I think he was pure, yes, he was pure. an alchemist artificer. Yeah. And so all of his uh, his special alchemy brews and, and all of his special abilities, uh, he reflavored as cookies that he would make. And then he had a little homunculus servant, or uh, maybe it was like a, a second homunculus servant, because he had a little toy nutcracker, and then he had the brave little toaster, who was also there, <laughs> who would uh, fling cookies into our mouths when we needed to, uh, to get an extra boost. Which turned out to be... An amazing benefit in combat. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He was awesome. It was like, all right, I'm going to use my reaction, and now I've got 15 extra temporary hit points. Or like, okay, now I can use my reaction for this, or I can do this on my turn. It was all really cool stuff. Which, it's actually hysterical, because I was talking to I was talking to Sean beforehand. We were building his, his magic item, and the first thing he wanted to do was basically the exact same item that Patrick had. And I was like, oh, oh uh, well, mm, well, we could do something like that, but maybe maybe not. Like, just like that. And so he said, okay, well, I have another idea. And then he described very, very similar akin to Seth's item. And I was like, oh, uh, maybe maybe we do something something a little different than that. Yeah, and I, don't, I didn't describe my item, but it was, um, I had a bat, basically, that transformed between naughty and nice. So when it was tiny, it counted as a club, so 1d4, uh, and it was nice. I wasn't feeling angry. Uh, it was all run on Christmas cheer. And I had three charges 
to when upon hitting them, I could use one D. I could do a smite damage uh, for mm-hmm. one extra D eight, and they make a save against my athletics because I'm adding like the power of Christmas cheer into it. Um, or, or else they're thrown ten feet and prone on the ground. Now I could also transform this when I uh, so I, whenever I had the nice one out, I had a shield out. Um, and then whenever I'm doing big damage, I transform it into this giant like bat, which I counted as a maul because I'm three foot tall. Um, but it's like the same height as me. So it was like a big maul. Um, and it has spray painted uh, on the side of it, like, like graffiti, uh, naughty all the way down it. And, um, it has the same ability, uh, 1d8 extra hit them back 10 feet and they get thrown prone. Um, and it ran on the power of those that were naughty that year. And that proved extremely handy later on when you were beating on, uh, prone bosses, perhaps. Yes. Uh, it, it, it did come in handy a whole lot, and it also just adds an extra eight damage if I get a crit. Which was very cool. The, um, the one item I, I didn't mention from, uh, Patrick, that the one he actually didn't end up using later on was what he wanted. <laughs> the first thing he presented to me is magic item. He said, yeah, it could be pretty strong. He said, well, I want to do basically the deck of many things, but the toy sack. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so uh, we went back and forth for a little while, and we, we ended up not using it because it was, it was a little intimidating trying to come up with something uh, that was very deck of many things-ish out of the bag. That's an amazing idea, though. Oh, no, it was, it was incredible. I was very hyped for it. Also very, very scared. Uh, in the end, we ended up on a, it was a wand of fireballs, but it was flavored, so it was like a coal launcher, and all fireballs were at fifth level minimum. Wow. So that was pretty sick, and it actually came in pretty good handy. I didn't tell anybody to bring fire to this this one off, but a whole bunch of people brought fire, and it worked out pretty well. Everything, just about everything in the one off was vulnerable to it. Yeah, b- being able to change my uh, smites to fire damage was very useful. Well, yeah, and so I guess we'll we'll get into Patrick's character as well. So he was actually a returning guest uh, from last year. So last year he played uh, Makeup Jarly, uh, sort of like that ghost. From a Christmas Carol, um, but at the end of the the one-off, he was the one to land the killing blow on Santa Claus, and per the Santa Claus, became Santa. So uh, he returns, uh, but now he is Santa Claus, and instantly he is good. So uh, this this <laughs> scary, decrepit, decaying, ghostly Santa Claus uh, joined our party to uh, to help rescue Christmas as well. And I like the way you justified it, where because we were two levels lower, and so where you were like, "Oh well, he just really hasn't gotten a grasp on what it means to be Santa yet." <laughs> well, I'm it was so funny. If it's like in the movies, where if you kill Santa, you become Santa. There's no way you're fully Santa right away. Even no, in the movies, no. not how it works. It took a little while. You he have to attack, and he got his beard, and he started eating cookies and everything. It took a little while, and we were two levels lower than last year because I didn't want it to be extremely overpowered with all the items you guys got later. So that's how it worked out and just to be perfectly clear perfectly clear last year after we finished the one-off patrick told me one thing he said and or drew i don't want to play santa next year i have it in a text right i have it circled and everything i had a screenshot like okay perfect that's fine i can make that work in november patrick reaches out to me and starts talking to me about santa and i said patrick would I sent him the. Te- I went back and I found it and I circled it. I said, "Patrick, you told me you didn't want to play Santa right here." And he goes, "Oh no, this is all I've been thinking about all year. I want to play Santa." So I rebuilt the one-off like oh, in November. Oh my god! <laughs> what I was a like, Patrick "Are you kidding move. me? That's you a want to Santa? that's a whole ass Patrick move, <laughs> absolutely." But I couldn't turn it down because I really I did want someone to play Santa kind of secretly. 
Yeah. So it it worked out well. It I was think. a big reveal. It made me laugh whenever I heard I heard the chains and I was like, he's doing this bit again. No, it wasn't the chains. It was the jingle bell. Oh right, right. right. <laughs> so last year, uh, anytime he would talk, he you know Jake uh, Jacob Marley has the 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 chains on him and they're always rattling around. So he'd always play anytime he says anything. Oh. I think we should go left. And, and he would he would play on his phone a sound clip of chains rattling. Yeah. And it, it was so funny. Uh, and so he comes in this time with the jingle bells. I guess his chains are transforming into jingle bells. And it was it was very funny. And he, he goes, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> it is I, Santa Jarley. <laughs> um, I'm, so, I'm so glad he did it. It really was a fun thing. And I was, I was excited because worst case scenario, if you guys were really stuck, I was like, well, Santa will know something. And so I can have him make a check and be like, oh, well, he knows this is happening. Or It was a little like get out of jail free card. So it was handy to have a little little Santa there as a DM. So last but not least, we had Chase's character. Jingle Jangles. Jingle Jangles. No, please. Jingles, it was Jangles. Jingles Jangles. Oh, Jingles. Oh, Jingles Jangles. I was terrible with names this year. It was awful. But a Jingle Jangles yeah, is actually me, pretty every cool. every time I have to run a one-off because of how no. many character names I've had to memorize from you people. I forget my own name when I'm playing my own character one-offs. I don't understand how people do it with all these Yeah, so Jingles characters. Jangles. So Jingles Jangles was a very legit toy maker. He was like a, a senior toy maker at this point. So he had been for so many years crafting, but he was also a little bit of a klepto. So over the years, he had been, he'd been uh, stealing toys from other departments, and he felt very guilty about it. So... He decided this year he was going to redeem himself and he was going to make up for all the toys he had stolen over the years and really take one for the team and go on this adventure to help save Santa and the North Pole. So he had a really cool redemption arc, which tied in very well to his magic item that he got later. I never got any of those vibes from his character. (laughs) Well, you know, to be perfectly fair, we talked about his background just a little bit, but... He was very, very into his magic item, which took a long time to build. And the idea was that he basically had a blunderbuss that shot candy cane shards out. And it started off, first of all, it procced sneak attack. We allowed that. And then at first it would do a D4 uh, extra damage. Then if he landed a hit, it would become 2D4. And if he still hit and didn't miss, it became 4D4. And it doubled all the way to 8. And I think the only reason we kept it at 8 was because sneak attack still procced. But... Uh, 16, 16 D4 was definitely a, an option on the table at this point. So it was the idea that he could just keep building upon his damage and as a rogue just blast something away with his candy canes and shred them up was pretty sick. So now that all of our adventures have assembled, um, we are given our mission, which is to find some ancient relics that have <laughs> that are not the uh the j- jingle bell rock it wasn't the jingle bell rock it was now, not the rock that was i think <laughs> i thought we had solved everything at that point because sean comes out and goes oh so it's like the jingle bell so like the jingle bell rock we're getting the jingle bell rock and he was like no no we're not doing that so i fully believed at that point that we had solved the mystery like oh we're going to get the jingle bell rock um and that wasn't the case but it was similar to the case, as we all, um, what was his name that we got on? Yukon uh, the- Cornelius. Yukon Cornelius, Cornelius um, is going to escort us to a secret Santa lair where we can um, get some relics in Santa's, like, um, in his vault of sorts. That way we can save Christmas with these relics. It'll kind of turn the tides, bring things back to normal, and give us the power to solve Christmas. Right. Yeah. And, and so they were... Uh, uh, foretold to be the source of the power of the jingle bells, which were uh, fr- from last year. We knew these were super powerful 
like artifact level magic items. So whatever the source of that would be, uh, you know, it stands to reason might be even more powerful. So so um, we get on this ship. And we the ship you get on the, uh, the ship. Sleigh. Sorry, sorry. Santa's. Sleigh. I only think of it as a battleship because you put the ship out in front of us. <laughs> so we go load up in Santa's sleigh, given that we have Santa with us, and we start riding off into the nighttime. Um, along the way, flying out of the North Pole and through like very large mountains, very treacherous terrain, as we're flying in a blizzard, all of a sudden swarms of humbugs begin to surround us, and so goes about an hour and a half of our night as we try <laughs> desperately to combat these humbugs. Now, these are swarms of bugs that fully encompass our ship, and we can get up close enough to hit in melee, but every time you hit them, they just come back. It's like we're doing no damage. So we're all... I, I could feel it a little bit where I was like, I'm getting a little frustrated because I want to kill something. Uh, I used some of my smites on it. Uh, I figured we would have a short rest after this. We did not... Um, and so, and also along the way, there's just treacherous terrain going on. Um, the humbugs in general, they were vulnerable to cold, but it turned out we needed to use, it turned out after a long time of us trying to figure it out, we needed to use the power of Christmas spirit in order to progress the sleigh and make it go faster, faster than these humbugs. Well, you know who didn't tell us that? Yukon Cornelius, who flew out against the humbugs and sprayed his little spray and died. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, so that's how this combat opens up. Is uh, Yukon Cornelius says, "Oh, don't worry, I've got this. I have humbug spray." He flies because I guess he can fly off of the uh, the sleigh and starts spraying his his humbug spray. It doesn't do anything to them. And then they encase his body in ice, and he falls petrified, you know, hundreds of feet to the earth, where I'm sure he's shattered. So, uh, so that was awesome. No, I think he's fossilized in the snow. Could be. Could and be. alive. He could be. He could be. <clears throat> I did have the idea, and it never came up because it was a big, thick blizzard. You guys were fighting through the swarm. Um, but if you guys had ever talked about jumping ship, uh, there was actually a frozen lake beneath you. That if you had decided to land, it would have helped you get away from the swarms. They were so high up. Um, but you could have fallen through the ice. And if you fallen through the ice, it would have ended up with a different kind of skill challenge, uh, which would have come in very handy because Zach actually had a swim speed, which would have been very helpful to everybody if you guys went through the, uh, the ice. No, yeah. In, instead, in my polar bear form, I decided, you know what? We could use a little bit of some Christmas spirit. And so I, I pulled out a Coca-Cola. I winked at the camera and, uh, <laughs> and the engine went... And then we, we, we managed to fly away from uh, the, the humbugs. And, and, you know, I just want to mention again, still as a polar bear, there was no one uh, who was there to, like, hold the reins. I think Jingles Jangles was trying, but he, he, uh, he didn't roll too well on his animal handling check. So ultimately, it's, uh, it's Coca-Cola polar bear. Uh, who, who grabs the reins and pulls them up as we're about to crash into the peak of a an icy mountain. Yeah, so, and I will mention, I was getting a little frustrated because I could tell, like, very quickly that something was off, like, that we weren't going to be able to do this combat-wise. And every time I would mention it, everybody would be like, but I can power up our hits. Let's use our entire abilities and like fight yeah. these things. And I was trying to say, I was like, guys, it's obvious as every time we hit them, he says that they're filled back in. We can't keep hitting the humbugs. Um, that, that warms my heart a little bit because 
I had the idea that I was going to scare you away with these bugs. Like, clearly you cannot defeat them. And then when I got into the session in practice, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like a douche. Like, I'm, I'm crapping on my players right now, and, like, there's nothing they could do about it. So I wanted to tell you guys, like, there was no hope. But I was like, well, I can't let them have no hope. I have to I said it, them like, on five a little times, bit. though. It wasn't your fault. Every time someone would go a turn, they would go, I'm going to, like, I'm going to hit it. And I go, but we're not supposed to do that. Like, it's obvious. If you hit it, we're just going to waste a spell slot, or we're just going to waste this. Um, I, was, I was a little afraid as I was coming up with this session, because I, I, I feel like you guys... Knowing me and the few one-offs I've run for you with random teleportation thing disappearing, random blood magic that's not in any of the books, right? I figured you would just assume that you had to use Christmas spirit to get out of this fight. So I was like, well, I have to play it off like that. It can't be that easy, right? Like, surely Drew's going to play it different this year. But no, I can't, I can't just do it in regular combat. It's got to be difficult and, and interesting. It's got to have some homebrew in there. So um, we do eventually figure this out using all of our different wits and tools in order to speed up. I think I was the only one who failed their skill check as I tried to cast a burning hands off the side in order to speed up um, the um, the sleigh, which I thought would be really cool, but I failed my skill check on it. So I ended up not doing that and just wasting a spell slot. It was um, very sick, though. Yeah, the the skill checks were all really cool. Uh, I liked the idea of us like almost crashing into things and having to figure out a way to like make it work. I, I loved the skill challenge, and then we finally reach our destination full speed all of a sudden a giant magical door is in our path we were going the right way yukon wasn't an idiot though he's dead um he was an idiot and all of a sudden we get to the point where the reindeer going full speed do not slow down and we crash through this gigantic door and i standing on the back fall off of santa's sleigh luckily getting feather falled by an ally and then fall cleanly down into um this giant like chamber where i don't know if you explained it at first or maybe i wasn't listening where there were just doors all over the place with different symbols over the top i there there was not multiple doors there was only a single door at the end of a very long hallway and i, I tried to convey that because um uh, cola was trying to slow down the sleigh or, or coca i'm sorry coca was trying to slow yes, down the sleigh. Please. and so as you my god given name as you jammed your hands against Mr. the side cola. of the, the cave <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Cola Bear, please. <laughs> <laughs> Proper it's like you titles. don't even know my name. <laughs> so as this thing, as this sleigh, the battle sleigh, by the way, that transform in mid-combat, smashes through this magical door and starts sliding down this very long uh, hallway. You know, the sparks are flying. Uh, Coca's trying to hold the sleigh back and slow it down. And you very carefully feather fell back. And as you sat up and the sleigh <laughs> launched farther ahead down the hallway, uh, you did meet... One of the only allies to be brought back from last year. The Silent Knight, who was an enemy we fought last year, uh, and this time was a friend guarding Santa's, like, vault. Um, very cool. I love the Silent Knight. Every time you try to do something, like, he just doesn't make noise. And it's it's great, because my character, being just the fun, sentinel, talkative guy he is, is trying to, he's trying to figure things out, because Slushy does consider himself an investigator with his seven intelligence. And so as we're doing things, I'm like, so, uh... Why aren't you talking? You know, so <laughs> really, really just uh, irritating him as much as I can and just questioning, questioning, questioning. Um, and we end up in this giant chamber where, you know, the sleigh comes to a halt. The reindeer are fine, I guess. Uh, yeah, and, fine. Totally. Uh, everybody, like, we we head into the the room with Santa, who... Yeah, yeah and so as you as you go down this long um, uh, corridor, basically at the end there is a a single door. It looks rather plain uh, with two bodies 
the bottom of it. And you guys, you know, we're all like, oh, let's back up. I'm not sure what this door is going to do. Clearly, it's it's magical of some kind. And it actually, it, it was magical to a certain extent, but it was it had a, a ward on it, a sort of protection magic to keep out the misfits and the people that were impure at the heart. People that didn't have the true Christmas spirit could not enter here and see Santa's ancient relics. And so you guys were all able to very easily walk on through the door. No questions asked. Where inside of this ancient hall, you met, obviously, none other than Carol of the Bells. You know, Carol, good old Carol, keeps the bells here. (laughs) So funny, dude. And that was probably my most fun character to play. I bought a lantern from, like, like TJ Maxx or some, some stupid store I was in at the random time, and I, I happened to spot it. I took my phone, I put my flashlight on, and I put it at the bottom of the lantern, and I waved it around like it was a real lantern. I put a towel on my head like I was a, like a woman from TikTok where guys are trying to be women or like look like they have hair or like a bonnet of some kind, and uh, I had a scarf as well. And let me mention that this is where the session becomes unhinged. Um, Because this is when we find out that Carol of the Bells is the protector of the six infinity bells. (laughs) I mean, now does that sound familiar to you? (laughs) And then uh, Thanos didn't show up, but uh, no. no. So recently, it seems that one of the six infinity bells was stolen by none other than Jack of Lantern. Someone who last year stole a jingle bell, knew somehow about this vault, goes in and steals one of the six infinity bells. Um, I I didn't really understand how or why he only grabbed one. I guess because it's difficult to grab more than one. So um, the idea was that you could um, you could only grab one because Carol would only allow you to grab one. Oh. Um, you guys didn't try to grab more than two. I thought you might. I thought you might just pull all of them off the wall and give them the one person so that you had the infinity gauntlet power, which I would have allowed you to do. Um, so it was interesting you guys didn't. You guys all kept it, you know, one well, each it digital seemed, power. it only seemed right. <clears throat> you know, like when we were all there, they were all calling to each of us individually. Well, yeah, um, and, and the, these items, as uh, as we found out, were all super powerful. So as, as you as you described, like, ooh, this one calls out to you, Slushy. Ooh, this one calls out to you, Coca. And then you start whipping out these homemade magic item cards and like sliding them over all secretively so we can read what they do. And uh, you know, the energy in this room, uh, in the room at this point, is just uh, pure excitement and glee. Yeah, as we're all like re- Christmas. Like, <laughs> it, it was like Christmas. Uh, we, we started reading through the abilities, uh, and we just were in disbelief at what you're about to allow us to do. Um, my my bell, the uh, the bell of time, <laughs> the the green one, uh, the time bell, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it uh, made it so that I was permanently under the effect of the haste spell with no detriment, um, no concentration required. Uh, additionally, uh, once per day when we roll initiative, I can roll initiative twice and then take a second turn in the same initiative order for the rest of that combat. So cool. Uh, and what was my other ability? So uh, every every bell, just to be perfectly clear on all the bells, they were very similar in, in power. So you had a passive ability that as soon as you picked up the bell, you had period, right? Then you had a bonus action recharge ability that you could use and you had a once a day action that you were able to use uh the once a day action was obviously extremely strong you only use it once uh, even if you swapped it amongst players um 
but the the idea of having a recharge was super sick. Uh, Zach, yours was actually uh, when you used your bonus action to activate it for the next full turn. I think it was back till your original turn. Oh yeah, that, had, until the end of my next turn. Yes, yes, I have advantage on everything. Everything. And, <laughs> and if I had advantage previously, I get double advantage. And then it, that doesn't just apply to rolls of the d20. Oh, no, no, no. Not at also, all. Also, all of my damage dice are also doubled for, until the end of my next turn. So, yeah, yeah. it was that was awesome. Um, all of the Infinity Bells had really cool ones. I feel like Zach and I can talk mostly about like what they did for our builds. Um, so, for mine specifically, I, I had made a crit build. And Drew had told me at one time, like two months ago, like, make sure you remember criticals. And I was like, true that. Oh, okay. And oh my god, <laughs> you underestimated. So me, my recharge <laughs> one, my strength score automatically just became thirty. So as a paladin, thirty strength score. I was hexblade, so I could use charisma. But let's use the higher one. So uh, my strength becomes thirty. Um, we go to my bonus action ability, which when it recharges allows me to make my next hit a free critical hit. Just. My next one, I could do a critical hit, which com- comboing that with Divine Smites is insanity. And then my once per day ability to all a good night is what it was called. Um, what a good name. Allows me <laughs> to change name. all of my damage <laughs> dice to D20s for this attack. Yep. yep so, yep, yep. I. Let's, let's move on as I, before I explain what I did. Um, uh, well, just to be perfectly clear, to fully explain the power of this spell, uh, as we clearly understand having two turns of combat with Zach's ability, uh, at our table we do have a homebrew critical rule where when you roll a natural 20, you don't roll your damage die twice, you max out the first roll and then roll it again. Right, because we want it to feel like a critical hit, no matter yes, what. Yes. So if you roll all ones, that's not really going to feel like a critical hit. Mm-hmm. If you roll full damage and then add on top no matter what you're rolling more than what you could possibly roll mm-hmm. um so critical and but it does make it deadly for the players as well um so we you know all the players get their really cool bells all of them have really cool abilities um and the reality bell is the one that's stolen the one that can kind of morph and shape the world as is yeah and, and so when we think about these uh <clears throat> these infinity bells as well uh, yeah, they're all sort of, uh, and Drew, you sort of explained this to me on the on the car ride back. Um, uh, they're all sort of tied to like ways that Santa does what Santa does. So you know, obviously, he needs to morph time and space and reality in order to be able to deliver all these presents in one night. He needs the power to move his sleigh that fast. He needs the uh, the mind to keep all these children's presence in order and make sure that, you know, they go to the right place. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. needs the, the, the soul to, uh, to really encapsulate Christmas. To, yeah, encapsulate exactly. Christmas to encapsulate Christmas spirit. Yep, yep, yep. So you had the Christmas spirit in the, the soul bell. The reality bell was the hardest one to come up with. I figured Santa would obviously need some extra help, you know, camouflaging from, uh, God knows like anti tank, anti, <laughs> Um, aircraft, military base. He doesn't want to be detected. Yeah, doesn't want to be detected. And he has to morph himself small enough to fit in any chimney ever. Of course, of course. Or make the chimney If there wasn't a chimney, I mean, he's got to make one, clearly. So you have the ability to shape reality with that bell. Uh, The space one 
powered the sleigh itself. It helped it um, actually teleport and move around better. It, obviously, you have to you know cross continents, and so he would plane shift around with it. Basically, uh, the the mine was all about the naughty list, just like Zach said. The time bell I flavored so that it was all about sugar. And I googled it, and I checked. <laughs> I googled this. Apparently, if Santa eats so many cookies uh, in this one day, it's approximately ten billion calories in cookies oh, and milk. Okay, uh, conservatively, conservatively. And so, the idea that you have ten billion calories worth of sugar coursing through your veins at once you're extremely fast and you're able to get anywhere you need to go very quickly to travel and traverse the world clearly uh and then the last one i hope is the last one would be the the power bell which had the power of the reindeer themselves that this is where the reindeer got their magical ability to pull the sleigh all over the world in one night and so it was the power of the stampede the one of the abilities was called blitz which was after uh, blitzen who unfortunately was not here this year because he was murdered in cold blood last year mercilessly yeah, by me but just by you and yes. i do it again too <laughs> that was incredible. So, you guys all said that. We collect the six infinity bells, each of them being assigned to one of us, and having them really correspond to our builds. It was amazing. Um, and then, as we're leaving, we yeah, go ahead. So as as you're leaving, first of all, you take five of the stones, and one is missing. And she explains how Jack of Lantern escaped last year with one of the jingle bells, which allowed him to have a pure soul, quote unquote, which allowed him through the door. So you guys see as one of the doors creaks open as if just recently opened not too long ago and you see a broken down magical glider which is the magic item that jack of lantern had last year so the concept was that he crash landed here got in with this bell and took out a different bell it left with one and he brought it back to where he came from which was halloween town so as you guys walk through these these little corridors one little door you see at the end of the hallway that there is an open space with a number of different trees present. And all of the trees have these different icons and symbols engraved on them and painted. One of them had a, a sort of turkey with some sort of black hat. Another had a, a, a pink bunny of some kind standing upright. A third was a, a four-leafed weed of some sort. Who, who knows what these strange doors lead to? I have no idea. But one door was unlocked, and that was the tree with the jack-o'-lantern on it. You guys cross through this tree, opening this door, crossing into Halloween Town itself, the Halloween realm. And as you get there... Oh. And, and, and if you at home are, aren't picking up on this, it's, it's the Nightmare Before Christmas. It's the, it's the woods from the Nightmare Before Christmas. We go through the, through the door from, you know, it's, it's, it's like a reversal because, like, you know, Jack Skellington, he goes through the Christmas tree. And then, and then so we go through the Halloween tree to, to get to... All right, continue your and continue I, no, your story. To be fair, I should have I should have started out this entire uh, talk about this. This whole session was called the Nightmare After Christmas because they ruined Christmas last year. So it was the Nightmare After Christmas, and it was flavor on Halloween, which I thought was really fun. Yeah, I'm so clever, you know, I'm cunning. But so you guys go into Halloween Town as soon as you walk in. We're running a little low on time, and you see across the way a very large, heavily armor-clad man with a large pumpkin jack-o'-lantern head a flame brewing and, and blowing out of the the crevices of the jack-o'-lantern as he pulls out his long sword made of a giant candy corn looking off to his right you see what appears to be a little swarm of humbugs flying into a green sheet that is oogie boogie himself the boogeyman from the nightmare after christmas so at this point they were heading to santa's right to get christmas stuff 
So they were actually waiting for you guys at this point in time. They had just received the reality bell, which was allowing them to shape and shift their realm into Christmas. Right, the two, before Jack of Lantern went back to his 9 to 5. Yeah, ab- absolutely. He's got it. He's got to go back to his 9 to 5. <laughs> <laughs> I had it so he was behind the scenes. If you guys really had the time and, and wanted to go meet him, he was nearby. So you guys could have gone to meet him. But the, the epic fight that ensued was, uh, was far more satisfying, I think. So as you guys begin this fight now with the Pumpkin King himself wielding the reality bell and the power to, to shape reality, uh, it was an interesting fight. You guys open up by unleashing the fullest extent of your powers of these new relics that you have, these infinity bells, and going all out. I think Seth did close to, what, 280, maybe No, 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 no. I did 349 damage, damage on my first turn. 349 So we start damage. out uh, as Coca grabs me and runs me full speed up next to the Pumpkin King to uh, uh, until eventually then, you know, he gets a couple of attacks and we start off combat strong and then turn switch over. It's my turn. I take out that bell, drag it down my naughty bat, um, <laughs> pull it back, uh. jump up and whack the Pumpkin King using all of my abilities in one turn. Absolutely so I, I used Blitz and I used um, To All A Good Night and I, with my critical hit, hitting the Pumpkin King in the head, I did 349 damage. This is Divine Smite plus Eldritch Smite plus my magic items D8 plus my weapon damage plus great weapon master plus um, everything. 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 I ended up having like nine or like I think it was like nine dice that I was rolling all at one time. All D20s maxed out and then rolling them. So minimum, what, 160, 180 minimum, I think, at the crit? Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah, it was it was like 180 or 200 minimum, and then plus the dice rolls. So I ended up at 349 damage, um, destroying this man right away. He was not dead, but uh, it dealt far past half of his health. It was, it was disgusting. Uh, I had it set so this man had uh, originally 400 hit points, and I was like... It's not enough. So before the session, it was a couple days before. Maybe I decided, okay, five. We'll go five hundred. That should be okay. Just in case Seth goes, you know, baller and destroys him in one shot, um, which was was very cool because I had anticipated the reality bell coming into play after. Because obviously everyone's going to unleash the power of their bells, and the reality bell shaped the battlefield. If any of the players used it, they could have redrawn the battle map and changed the music itself, as well as uh, put different features onto the map. So completely, really just breaking the fourth wall all that the way. That would have been super cool. I was hoping someone would grab it, but also was like, oh, I want this fight to be really good. We never got the chance. So, uh, ja- not Jack of Lantern, the Pumpkin King, first of all, goes down, and everyone is gung-ho about defeating him and run over to Oogie Boogie, ignoring the reality bell, which as they do, it activates its passive ability and instantly has him regain 25 hit points. And I had it exactly worded that way. Not not uh, death saves, nothing like that. It was you regain 25 hit points. Therefore, he got back up. And as he got back up, he used the bell to create a scroll of resurrection. He uh, split the battlefield in half with a large wall and buried uh, his main combatant, which was Seth at the time, Slushy the Snowman, under 10 feet of snow, which uh, did not prove uh, worthy as he used a, a fiery smite to melt right, all so the snow. I got, I got my blitz back, so I did another, like, I recharged my blitz and did another fiery smite. Uh, less damage this time. It was still over 100, I believe. But so only over a hundred. Yeah, oh man, less damage. But uh, I was able to melt away the snow and knock him down again. 
which was sick. And so th- this fight kept on going. A number of people got to use their their um, their bells, including Patrick's character, who using his ultimate ability got to cast a twelfth level summon elemental. I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. So the the special ability of uh, was that the soul bell? <clears throat> yes, it was the. No, I'm sorry. It was the space, the space bell, because it was all about refueling the sleigh itself. Uh, he had a recharge ability that would give him extra spell slots, whatnot. So I like the idea of overcharging your spell with all of this energy. Yeah. So it, it allowed you to cast whatever spell you want, whatever spell you have at 12th level, which is just a weird thing to think about. <laughs> Um, and Patrick was very creative with this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was yeah. so proud of him because he's sitting next to me and he looks at me and he goes, I'm going to create the strongest elemental anyone's ever seen. Uh, and he did. He he created an elemental with like 140, 150 hit points or something like that. Insane AC. Uh, it might have been crazy damage. And yeah, insane oh. AC and six attacks because of a 12 level spell. So it gets six attacks, half the amount of, of the level it was cast as. So yeah, this elemental gets six attacks a turn and it's just like, you know, being our sentinel in the battlefield, just doing what it has to do. It was awesome. I was like, what a creative use. I would have been like 12 level fireball. But no, you. Know, he, took it so to, bad. he took it to the next level where I was like, that was the best use you could have done. That's just consistent damage from another creature. It was really sick. I'm, I'm glad he used it. I was afraid people would be afraid to use some of their bells because it was a little uh, interesting. Specifically, the reality bell was a little subjective as well as the 12th level spell because you could cast something that wasn't necessarily upcastable, but I wanted it to be fun. I wanted you to cast something that was beyond every other spell you've ever cast in your life. Yeah. So that was sick. Um, but you guys actually dispatched them pretty good uh, with the Pumpkin King with basically a thousand hit points, uh, almost defeated him uh, multiple times. Uh, you went after Oogie Boogie, who was kind of the the counter to the tank. The Pumpkin King was tanky. He was heavy hitting. Uh, he had a very cool recharge that he did not get to use because you guys were just molly whopping him, uh, where he basically uh, used Stone Edge from Pokemon, but with Candy Corn. So he would have this this ripple in the ground that would then spike up with all this candy corn in an area. So that was pretty sick. Um, but Oogie Boogie was the the counter to that. He was very dexterous and he was very charismatic. So he's using his legendary. How much health did he have? Two fifty. Okay, not that bad. You, I could have taken him out one turn. You could have one shot Oogie Boogie, but it was so much more fun to do Pumpkin King. And I figured you guys would all go for the Pumpkin King first because he was so much more menacing. Um, but uh, Oogie Boogie could use his legendary actions to. Uh, basically teleport around 40 feet at a time, uh, sending his swarms to then go pick up where he left off, teleporting these short distances. Uh, And also his other legendary abilities that he had all revolved around gambling. Because in the movie, Nightmare Nightmare Before Christmas, not mine, um, it was all about gambling and rolling dice, right? He was a gambler. He would roll the dice to see if he got snake eyes and he would cheat all the time. So I love the idea of twisting fate and pulling it in his favor all the time. So he would roll these these ability checks. He could do it uh, once per turn and he actually recharged legendary actions if people rolled natural ones if they rolled in his favor basically um so he would look at everybody and i handed out these actual dice from from the movie they're like prop dice that look exactly like his dice in the movie uh, and everyone rolled this d6 and it was a big gamble so if oogie boogie rolled higher than you you then had to roll a d20 it was not a save it was to see which of the numbers on your d20 would then become another natural one so you began to rot your dice over time. So if you did not win this fight quick enough, you very quickly could have had five, eight, a crazy amount of natural ones on your die. Which Zach got extremely unlucky with this. So meanwhile, Patrick and I, I think, I think Patrick didn't lose any and I lost one. Yeah, and so I, I ended up with five other numbers uh, <laughs> that could be a nat one. And so my only saving grace was that I had triple advantage on almost everything. 
Uh, Which or, didn't always turn in your favor, as 17 was one of them. Yeah. And you rolled with the, with triple advantage the one time and did get a 17. Yeah, yeah. So that was the that was the, the issue, was my highest number, no matter what it was, was, you know, what we were going off of, or whether or not it's a nat one or not. So that did... Which that I did felt was once. the most balanced and fair way to do it. Well, yeah, it, it, you were letting me roll. So <laughs> we, we even stretched the rules just a little bit farther because it's Christmas and, and we're having fun. And, and uh, Drew, you said if uh, I would get advantage again, uh, then it adds another die. So I was rolling four die, four d20s to see if I hit, and I was, you know, I was rolling crits like crazy. So it was, it was fair. So to, cool. Yeah, and it was completely fair because Zach only had two turns per combat or per round. Yeah, so, so he, I feel he like didn't he needed that often. Yeah, he needed he needed more. He definitely needed a little more oomph to his uh, to his artifact there. Yeah. That, meanwhile, I'm I'm describing how I go ultra instinct and uh, snap vanish behind him and you know pull out my. Uh, my kung fu flipping, you know, everything. So. I imagine the whole time you're throwing a Coke bottle in the air and hitting, 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 catching it, taking a swig, <laughs> and then keep going against him. I could all, when you were fighting, that's all I could imagine. Ah, fuck. I should have I said that explicitly because that's that's the best thing. Snap vanish. Like, you throw it across the battlefield, snap vanish, get a couple of hits, and snap vanish, catch it, drink it, snap vanish back. <laughs> that would be pretty sick. Just catch it almost like a, uh, what is it, Horizon Walker Ranger, just teleporting around and making your attacks. Yeah, exactly. So... Uh, I, w- I was a big fan of the combat. Um, eventually, we were able to dispatch until um, we got our hands on the react because they just kept coming back and back and back. And it was getting irritating because we were all running out of our kits. Like, I think I got down to like 20 hit points at one point um, to where we were all like, oh no, this could start to look bad. Um, eventually, we got our hands on the reality bell out of uh, Oogie Boogie had taken it from the Pumpkin King. Uh, um, just honorable mention, Chase ran up to Oogie Boogie with a sleight of hand check, reached down his gullet, and pulled it out of him, knowing damn well that the humbugs were in there, and he took 10d10 damage for that. Yeah, he was like, oh man, I rolled a 9. Oh wait, reliable talent, 23. <laughs> <laughs> Which was insane. I didn't yeah. think he was going to reach in and pull him out. That was my that was my safety net. I was like, well, if they start going down, Oogie Boogie's going to start grabbing these bells and eating them. To which case, you're not going to be able to get him out. You're going to take 10d10 damage. Chase didn't stuck, care. He stuck his arm down. He took the damage. Um, Straight hero. He pulled the reality bell out. And instantly, I, uh, as um, Slushy, mm-hmm. am like, we got to give him the bells. And so I run over. I give him my bell. And I'm like, oh, I'll take away my power. It's fine. I run back as I'm about to like protect i'm like no i will carve the path i was fully ready for slushy to die there <gasps> i was i even looked at patrick i said i'm gonna sacrifice myself in a blaze of glory <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I looked right next to him and i was like i'm going down i'm dying here um and so i ran up as slushy with like 20 30 hit points left and tried to grapple tried to keep him there i couldn't get the grapple checks off because i'm so tiny um and so i'm basically just staying in the way everybody's trying to get uh, everybody's handing their bells to chase and he's making death saves because the infinity bells are too strong they will kill you if you have them all at once so everybody's handing them to him he gets down to the last bell and dies <laughs> it was it was every time you had an additional bell after the i think it was after the second one you had a 10 percent chance of death so i had you roll a, a d100 every time he made all of the saves except for the last one. Just as he gets the last Infinity Bell in his hand, he collapses. And they're all just sitting on his chest while he's dead there. We didn't realize that he, he called it out. We didn't realize as it came to his turn, he was dead, clearly. But 
the wording of the reality bell said that you regained 25 hit points. And so he got up 25 hit points, beginning of his turn, all six bells in his possession, and becomes Thanos, basically. He could do anything he wants with this. And he even made a joke about having the Infinity Gauntlet earlier in the session before he knew it was happening, which is hysterical. Yeah, none of us knew that that was happening. No, absolutely not. Um, um, very well-guarded secret. Uh, but as this wall is dividing the battlefield, he just... Oh, go ahead. Can go ahead. I just tell you, I thought we were doing an Infinity Stone thing after the beginning. Okay. But I thought they were going to be the six Jingle Bell Rocks. <laughs> That would I, so after the beginning, I was like, oh, the Jingle Bell Rocks and they're based on the Infinity Stone. He made a joke about the Infinity Gauntlet. That's what we're doing. <laughs> I thought that at the beginning. Really? Yeah, because you the whole joke had come up and I was like, that makes sense. Like he made an Infinity Gauntlet <laughs> joke. I was like, what if that was what we were doing? I didn't think they were going to be the Infinity Bells. I thought they were going to be the six Jingle Bell Rocks. It was complete chance. He made that joke. I did not tell Chase any extra information yeah. than you guys had. It was a complete run-of-the-luck chance that he made that joke at the table, which was absolutely hysterical. So we get to, to the end here. He has become God um, <laughs> to where he blocks off the door as the Pumpkin King and Oogie Boogie are... Or we, we had killed Oogie Boogie at this point. Mm-hmm, so the mm-hmm. Pumpkin King, uh, we cut him off so he's not allowed to leave. And we start to talk. And turns out the Pumpkin King just wanted a bit of Christmas cheer in Halloween Town. And we were like, oh, well, that's it? (laughs) All this maiming and killing and fighting and we could have just given you some Christmas? And he's like, well, yeah, we just, you know, that's not how the realms work. We can't, you know, cross over the realms like that. And we're like, we'll get you some Christmas. Uh so we start changing reality. I and I was like, let's bring your friend back to life. We bring Oogie Boogie back to life. We're not fighting anymore. Um, and all's well that ends well as the Infinity Bells are returned to um, the North Pole. We're able to save Christmas and get it back on track. I assume Santa Jarley uh, went around and delivered all the presents on this day. Absolutely, he would uh, have. And yeah, all's well that ends well. And Christmas is shared with the other realms at this point. So everything is hunky dory. And as the narrator stands there narrating the end of the story, explaining how the players, you know, finished their their epic adventure and redeemed themselves from the previous year, something comes from behind the narrator. He turns around and yells, What is this? What is this about a, a kidnapping? What? And we end the session there knowing that next year the narrator is going to be kidnapped in next year's Christmas one-off by the players. Can I just put in a request too for another year? Absolutely. I can. would love to to have a year where it takes place in one of these places where we've brought Christmas to and just all hell breaks loose. Like where, where we go to the the end of the rainbow and we celebrate the um you know St. Patrick's Day so we're all playing as like little little leprechauns and you know there's some bad thing happens in Leprechaun Town where it's somehow related to Christmas. Um I I love the theming of this and how we've now spread Christmas cheer all over the place. So yeah, next year narrators captured. The year after, the, the uh, night nightmare at, at on Gold Street. Um, <laughs> nightmare Gold. That's it. You um, got me. You got the, me. The, the yellow brick road at the end of the rainbow. Well, of Oz. <laughs> just just keep in mind, you have spread Christmas throughout the realm. So now there's endless opportunities and. I told Zach in the car, I have to keep one up, one upping myself the power every single year. So one no, year we jing- don't have to. No, 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 no. <laughs> one year it was the jingle bells. The next year it was the infinity bells. And now next year, you could harness the power of the narrator who potentially could make anything happen. He could tell the story completely differently. 
So I I, we'll I like the theming of switching out our narrator over and over again. I think that's what you're going to do of like switching out the narrator over Ooh. and over again and changing the story and being like, and then this happens because I've decided it because I'm your new narrator, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess if you kill the narrator, like do you tiny Tina's wonderlands, uh, I guess you'll have to wait one year to find out Zach. Cause yeah, don't we don't know. have a narrator anymore. He gets taken away. Well, what do we do as the players? What happens to your, or are narrator? we playing as ourselves to go get the narrator back? Could be, oh, no. and, he's, and he's secretly hidden stuff around my house, and we have to actually get up and LARP it. <laughs> we're no longer playing D anD D; we're just murdering people. Yeah. Uh, no, we're not. <laughs> we're not doing that. But, but I will say, um, for next year, uh, I do. <gasps> I do have my character decided. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited! I do not. Um, anyways, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Table Talk Friday. Um, I I do have to say, please support us on patreoncom Friday because uh, I don't know. I don't think we have time to do a whole post show this week <laughs> with the amount of uh, effort we put into this episode. But thank you guys so much for listening all the way to the end. Episodes are this long over on patreoncom Friday because the post show is included at the end. So if you make it all the way to the end of these episodes, you're missing out on like 30 minutes of solid post show content at the end of every episode. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. You can find us on tiktok.com or tiktok at table talk friday youtube at table talk friday twitter at table talk friday where i have not tweeted in an especially long time i just haven't been on that website in a while as it burns to the ground um I, you know it was always a cesspool but man i love a cesspool uh and anyways we are now at the end of the episode thank you guys so much for listening and i need for coca cola bear to take me out you hear that that's the sound of a cold, refreshing Coca-Cola. You know, there's nothing that I like more on Table Talk Friday, a D&D podcast, than drinking an ice-cold Coca-Cola. Psst, you hear the sizzle? <laughs> That's the sizzling sound of a Coca-Cola. What? You said we're not sponsored by Coca-Cola? Well, why am I here? <laughs> okay. I guess I'll... Guess I'll end the show now. <laughs> Good goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>